We're glad to be here. It's a warm day, uh, but the Lord is even better to us in discomforting times than He is sometimes in the most comfortable. Uh, Brother Todd, we certainly lift up our hearts to you and your family, uh, the family of Sister Carol Hutchins, who passed away. And I like the way Brother Todd sent the email out notifying us of that, that she had took flight with the angels. You know, it's amazing what your faith does to you at times when you're really needing the most, and such an evidence to see that and a blessing. So we just want you to know our hearts are thanking of you all this morning, Brother Todd. I uh, also wanted to um, ask you to pray for uh, Brother Eddie and Cecile Bullineau. Brother Ed called me yesterday and uh, asked an interest in your prayers. He and Sister Cecile are having some issues with their uh, health right now and I uh, want you to pray for them. So I know you will. So may the Lord bless you in, in that effort and certainly all others. I know that, you know, the, the virus has certainly uh, devastated and changed our lives so much, but yet there's so many more problems other than the virus going on with people in their lives right now. Some very, very hurtful, hard times. And uh, we need to be in prayer for that, prayer for our nation, uh, prayer for the church and for one another. We need, we need God so much. And uh, I pray that we can feel his reaching out hand to us and gripping us as we bless his holy name today in worship. I do pray that the Lord will bless us to worship him today in sincerity and in truth that we're not here, and I don't believe any of you are, just to make a show or anything, that we really do need Jesus. And so I pray that God would fill us. I've never known a time when we haven't sought him that we find him. So may the Lord bless us today. Would you bow with me for a prayer? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we bow before your throne of grace because we love you. We don't often express that as we ought to, and none of us, Lord, love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength but we really want to. And we know that you'll help us do that. And so many times uh, you have to take things away from us to really make us understand the true love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord, to help us as we come today at your throne of grace. We're unworthy sinners, all of us. There's not a person in this room that hasn't sinned against you. But there's not a sin, O oh Lord, that's been committed by a person in this room that is not forgiven through the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ as they convict, are convicted of that, as they trust you and repent of it. We know, Lord, your blood is so strong and powerful. You took our place on the cross, and so we're glad that we can come today as your redeemed children. We, O oh Lord, bless that you would give us the hope that will anchor our soul through these turbulent times. We pray, O oh Lord, as we cry out to you, that you would hear our cry, and that you would bless us, Lord, in ways we never expected it. You're always good at doing that, and so we trust you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for being with us. We ask you to be with our nation, our leaders, our law enforcement, and the people in general, your church. Oh God, help us to stand for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It's the same faith. And we want to stand, O oh Lord, in your great and holy name, but you're going to have to help us do it. We feel so weak and frustrated. And fear, Lord, seems to surround us so much. But we know we serve a living God, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. As you look down from heaven, Lord, on us this morning, we pray for your mercy. That you would help us, Lord, uh, know that you're with us, that you would direct us in our lives. Show us what you would have us do to glorify your holy and righteous name. 
Remember, Lord, these we've talked about in the loss of loved ones and the many unspoken requests and the many requests, Lord, for healing grace, not only in this church and community, but worldwide. Nothing is too hard for you. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come to you, we can cast our cares upon you. We can tell you all our troubles and our hurts and disappointments and frustrations. And we can tell it to you because you really love us and ask you, Lord, to help us love you more. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please open your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I just want to use one verse for our text this morning, and it's a powerful verse uh, from the letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. He's about to pass over into the life of heaven, and he's leaving his ministry with this young preacher, Timothy, and this is certainly a warning because there were a lot of things going on in the world that would upset, be upsetting, namely in the context of this with false doctrine, false teaching, uh, even with denying the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no, no better place, I believe in my heart, and I think you would agree with me, to really fall back on our faith and really see what we believe and understand it more, any more than when we're tested and tried. Any time when we lose a loved one, like I mentioned Brother Todd losing his mother, where you have a confidence that God is in control. You have something to fall back on even though you can't control things. And there's a good, there's good in that, and God gives us that in our lives. You know, it is true that all that glitters is not gold. I know you know that. But I also want to deal with the issue today, kind of the overall theme of it, is sometimes when things look pretty bad, you can get through it pretty good. And I think we're living in that time in the world today, don't you, when things don't look too good. But it's not the first time this has ever been around. I mean, there's, there's times you can get through life when it doesn't look like you can. And that's, that's what we have faith for, really. But God allows those things in our lives, and he uses that to test us and try us and to strengthen us because he loves us. Um, so I'm thinking, if God would help me, I want to try to start a series, and this was the first message. I don't know how many there'll be, but that'll be up to God. I, I wanted to try to deal with something, because I need this, and hopefully you do, is, is gripping life when times are tough. That's kind of the theme. And so the, today's message, to start this series off, I wanted to deal with this one verse from 2 Timothy 2.19. I know you're familiar with it, but it's, uh, I want to call it uh, getting to the bottom of it all. You've got to get to the bottom of something before you can really get to the right place. There's no need to try to sweep these things under the rug, okay? You've got you to deal with it. And, and, and so as we think about it, I reminded in this, I've been thinking about this all week, it's amazing in your life, and you all are experiencing this, I'm talking about everyday life, I'm not talking about in some seminary setting or some Bible conference, I'm talking about everyday, because I'm talking about a God that's everyday God, God's everyday, 
And, and he's not just for the elite or just for the holier than thou. He is a God that deals with people that need him, that cry out for him. And, and as you look for him every day in your life. But, but when I think about gripping life, I, I know you probably get bored with this sometimes, but I have to relate some of my past experiences. And sometimes I feel kind of selfish in doing this because I know you have just as many and just as many even greater, but the only difference is I'm up here. So, you know, uh, so I have to relate to some of the things God has done in my life. And I hope that it'll help us uh, understand God's ways with us because they're not our ways. You know, see, God doesn't deal with us like we think ought to be right or we ought to do, he ought to do this or that. His ways are not our ways. And, and I'm glad they're not. I'm glad that God has told me no sometimes in my life and, and that God has chastened me so many times because I needed it so much more than I've actually received it, I feel like. But I remember years ago when I, when I first started working in the forestry uh, arena after I got out of school, I worked for a sawmill in South Carolina and it was a pretty big sawmill. And, and my job, and I know I've told you this, was buying timber for the mill. See, the mill had to keep going. We had a procurement manager that was a real stickler for production. You know, we had to have about 100 loads of wood in that mill every week, or I don't know how many. It was amazing. And, and he had a lot of pressure on him. So I remember one day, one day when it got really wet everywhere, and this was in the low country over around Somerville, South Carolina, and it didn't take a lot of rain to make water stand everywhere. So he sent me out on one of my first private excursions as a forester, I guess, and he gave me some maps, and he said, Randy, I want you to go look at these tracks, and I want you to tell us which one is loggable. Now, by loggable, I mean which one of these tracks can a logger move his equipment on and operate, cut the wood, and bring it to the mill. That's what that is. So I would go, and you know, every track I looked on or at, I could see water, I could see mud in the road, and so I just wrote them off, and I went back into the office. I still remember... Uh, Mr. Ratliff telling me this, and I said, you know, uh, there's none of them loggable. And, and I know the guy wasn't trying to be sarcastic with me now, you know, but I kind of felt then he did, because he had a lot of pressure on him. And so I remember him looking at me and looking at the tracks. He said, you mean none of these are loggable? I said, no, sir. I saw water on every one of them. I saw mud in a lot of places. And he looked at me and he said this, he says, Randy, what do you think the grips on those tractor tires are for? You hear what I'm saying? So I want you to think about that. When you see life and you see it looks kind of muddy up there. It does. It looks kind of like, you know, this is impassable. You understand that that's what God has given you grips for. Now I'm going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. Because, you know, we got some grips. And, and, you know, God is not going to put us out here in life just to tiptoe through the tulips. I know you've already got that. I mean, it's tough. And so you've got to have something to grip it with. And God has given you that. And he told me, they said, that is what the grips on the tires of the tractors for. And I, I never forgot that. They never taught me that in forestry school. But I'm going to tell you this. You know, there's things that God will teach you and me in your life and mine just, just in the practical days that he gives us. I remember right after that meeting a logger over, uh, 
around St. George, South Carolina, named Mr. Willie Hartsog. I still remember him. He might, these people coming up in my mind. He was an older guy then. I'm sure he's in heaven now, but uh, he, he was a man. I had several guys that I were in charge of their loggers. That's their livelihood. And so he wanted, I was supposed to keep him going. You see, see what I mean? And, and you know, everything is not a hill. You know, that's far as you turn like, you find me a hill somewhere. Well, you know, sometimes you got to get deal in the flat woods. Sometimes you got to deal in the mud of life. And so I remember getting Mr. meeting him there in St. George, and we'd ride around looking. And every track we got out, Mr. Willie would get a stick, like a cane maybe. And he would get out of the back of his truck, and we'd walk out in the woods. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they were, they were tracks, it would be this deep in water. And he would take that stick, and he would push it down. And he would say, you know what, Randy? He said, it's got a bottom. It's got a bottom. He said, we can log this. I said, Mr. Hartsaw, you remember, you mean that you can log this with all this water and mud? He said, yes, sir. He said, if it's got a bottom, you can stand up. So I'm going to tell you, what I want to say to you today is, is, has it got a bottom? Whatever you're going through, has it got a bottom? Because if it's got a bottom, you can make it. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. And I'm going to talk about your faith, your faith because of the sovereignty of God. It doesn't matter what life throws at you, it has a bottom. You see, the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh, but it had a bottom. God gave him grace. God gave him power in his weakness. And God will give that to you. Jonah lost, uh, you know, his, his tenacity to follow God, and he ran away from what God called him to do. He jumped off the ship or was thrown off the ship. But it had a bottom. It might have been a whale's belly, but it had a bottom. And he come out of that on dry land. And you know what, Job, he lost everything he had. He lost everything. His family, his, his possessions, his house, his land, even his health. But it had a bottom. Because he understood the sovereignty of God in it all. And God restored him twofold. See, David committed horrific sin with Bathsheba, even having her husband killed. And you know what? He repented of that because it had a bottom. You see, I don't care what you've done or what, what you're going through. I'm going to tell you what God has given you a bottom, and the foundation is Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Everywhere Israel went, the Bible said in the Old Testament, they had a rock that followed them. See, it's a good feeling, isn't it, to know when you're walking through life and the murkiness of life, you can feel that bottom. You never get to the bottom and feel that bottom, you can make it. And I, I want to talk about that this morning. May the Lord bless us to see that and rejoice in God. In 2 Timothy 2.19, here it is, and this is from God, I pray. Nevertheless, nevertheless. That's a powerful way to start your life when you look at life. Nevertheless, even though it's got mud out here, even though the water has covered it, nevertheless, there's something else that's got a bottom. That's what that means. That's implying there is a way and there's a bottom. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'll tell you, I, I believe this verse has a great calling as we think about our life today. I really do. Nevertheless, you know, they can tear down the statues. They can tear down 
the, the merits of, of life in America, but they'll never tear down the foundation of God. We might not can meet in the church as we once did, but I'm telling you, we can be the church. Because God says the church will always be. Because he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says that in Matthew 16, 18. God is really serious about having a foundation. Something that you can stand on. Now here's the deal though. I think if we're not careful, we fall away from that. And we, we, you know, it's easy to be discouraged like the times we're going through. I mean, you know what? It's not so much for me and my wife and things, you know, but I, my, my, my kids, my grandkids, I think about them a lot. And, 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 and I think about some of the people that's the older people in, in life, you know, and I know I'm in that category myself, but I'm talking about some of the nursing homes and other situations. It's a tough time. It's a tough time when you look out in America and you see all the rioting and the, and the, the bickering. And you see in politics, you know, it used to be where, where two different parties could talk about different opinions and they could come away kind of being together on it. But now it's just pure hatred. That's all it is. It's who's done something wrong. And, and it's sad that it's the way it is, but, but we can't blame, we can't blame others. You see, we have to understand, you know, we have this mindset if we're not careful, and, and this is why, this is why we got to get to the bottom, that we say, well, you know, they're doing all that. Uh, they're not like us. <laughs> you know, it's us. That's where we got to sit. You got to get to the bottom of it. Because, because you see, the Christian church, we're to be salt and light on the, in this earth. That's what, exactly what God has come. And so, when you think about the culture that we're going through, see, see it's a, so many different. Maybe I was born too early. You know, I would have been living in the 1800s, I think, sometime with my mindset. But, but you know, uh, we, we're here by God's sovereign choice. You're in this culture. And we can't embrace, embrace abortion. We can't embrace uh, uh, belittling God. And we can't embrace so much of what's going on in this world. But we have to live in it. You know? We're not of it, but we're in it. And, and we ought to take that stand as Christians and take this opportunity to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You know, years ago, some of you might remember this. I, I didn't live through this time. I heard my, my grandparents and parents talk about it. Uh, they didn't have refrigeration. And so, so meat was preserved like pork with salt. And so if the, if the pork goes bad, it wasn't the pork's fault. It was because it wasn't salted enough. And so I think we're in that way, you know, as believers, you know. We, we need to understand that we're to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so when you think about the culture we're in, you know, the mandate of the Christian believer in Christ is, is twofold. And we see this, I think it was in Matthew 22, he talks about, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and heart, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, so that's the foundation. You've got to get to the bottom of it. Loving God and in loving our neighbors as ourselves. And in going about life through the murk, knowing that God has given us some way to grip this. And I think if we can get to that, get to the bottom of it, then we'll be all right in our life and we can get through this, this time we're going through. Now, when you think about this seal, I want to talk about that first. Well, let me say this. I want to say three things about this message from this, from this chapter. And the one, thing, the one thing I want to say is, that 
that we have a sure foundation, that the foundation, and that sure foundation is the foundation of salvation. The foundation of salvation. Now there's two heat seals here, no, or a seal. A seal is about ownership. When, when the Jews and, and the Old Testament, you see, I mean, they put a seal on a piece of rock or a piece of a building, that meant it, maybe some king or pharaoh was in charge. He wanted that, remember, that was his. I want you to understand that God, in your saving grace, has sealed you. You are God's. And the foundation of this, now listen to me, is God's sovereign choice of you before the foundation of the world. So you got to get back, yes, you got to get back to Calvinism. Calvinism. What that means is, that is a theological uh, precept where God is the bottom of our salvation. It starts with God. Let me say that. See, God chooses us before the foundation of the world. He gives us to Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Now see, when God chose us, He did not choose us because we were holy. He chose us, though, to make us holy. That's why He chose you. And you know, when I think about that, last night, and I'm so hard-hearted sometimes, I tell you, I almost teared up. I didn't let my wife see me. You know why? Because I thought about, God, you chose me, this sinner. And when I thought about it, I had a flush in my life of all the sins I committed. I mean, some of them. And I'll tell you what, I was purely ashamed of myself. But you know how it made me feel? It made me feel so humble. It made me say, God, you knew that I was going to do all this, and you chose me anyway. That's exactly right. That's what God did to you. That's what he did to me. And you know what it makes me want to say? Oh, God, here's my heart. You take my heart, your, Lord, I'm yours, and I offer it as a sacrifice to you. And I'm going to tell you, that's getting to the bottom of life. Now, we can pull around with politics all we want to and think we're going to have this president or that president, but you'll never see a polling place in God's salvation. You won't have a polling place. You won't have a polling place in redemptions. You know, see, the difference, what we need in this world today is not some new normal. We need the old normal. We need to go back to God and understand that, that when I say Calvinism, let me go back to just a minute. God knows who is his. I don't. Neither do you. But he has put a seal on them. And that seal is going to have a, have a merit or affect the way you live. Now, you've got to live in this culture that we're in right now. And it's not of God, you know, in so many places. We understand that. But it's, it's the purpose that God gives us. But we've got to get to the bottom of it. And when we do, when we understand that God has saved us by his grace, and that that, that is the utmost, is our salvation. And so that is the bottom of it. That is the foundation. We have that rock. We have that rock that we can stand on. Um, you know, when you think about this world today, you remember, most of you do, the movie The Wizard of Oz. And you remember when uh, Dorothy, I think that was the girl's name, you know, she had the accident. She wakes up in this dream place. And then she says to her little dog, Toto, she, she says, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, you remember that? You know, I think we could say that, don't you, in America today? I don't know if we're America anymore. When we see some of the things that's going on, we got to say, are we really in America? I mean, that's, that's how it looks. You know how it got to that? You know, it's a slow drift. I mean, see, we get away from this. 
But I think about it from the Calvinistic standpoint. And this is what I mean by that. The Reformed theology is this. And that's what all the Baptists believed when they came here, by the way. Uh, that God was sovereign in salvation. Now, when I think about Calvinism, the reason I wanted to hit that was, and I'm not a historian, but I'll tell you what, I was reading about other places in the world where there was, the world was falling apart. This is not, I said a while ago, the first time. Back in the 1500s, during the time of John Calvin, uh, there was a, a place called Geneva. Geneva was a great city, but I'm talking about people kind of sounded like the world today. I mean, they were protesting, there were riots, people were running naked in the streets. They didn't care about anything. But you know what? You cannot legislate morality. You can't. You can't. So what John Calvin, God used that man to preach the Word of God. Not only from the foundation of salvation, but all the precepts of the Bible. And you know what? That place... God used, and God has to do it. It wasn't John Calvin. God used the truth. See, what we need is more preaching the truth of God. We need more of God. You know what we need? We need more of God. We hear people today, you know, well, you're a racist. You know, we're so afraid to do anything because people will call us a racist, you know. But I wanted you to know, be reminded, God created the racist. He made them all different, and I frankly believe that God delights in diversity and different races. He does. He delights in it. What we need to understand is, if I'm white, I need to glorify God in my whiteness. If I'm black, I need to glorify God in my blackness. If I'm brown, I want to glorify God in my brownness. And you know what? You know, the, 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 the solution to racism... And, Here's little of me going to say this. My, my goodness, what did this little preacher know? But I just believe this with all my heart is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Because when you look at Romans, not Romans, but Revelation 7, you're going to see there right in the middle of that chapter this great multitude. And God says there's a multitude there that no man can number. And there's every race, every tribe, every tongue. And you know what? They're there because of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And what a blessing that is that we see that. So as, as we see this, I was thinking, I was telling you, I get off sometime, please excuse me, but Geneva. So that place just was undulated with the Word of God. And it was amazing the difference that it made in that place. Because of the foundational truth of God. And I'm going to tell you, the church is going to prosper more in in times of, when times are tough than any other time. That's always been the history. And then you think about other historical times when I think about the Calvinistic persuasion. And when I say that, let, let me go ahead and stop here and put a stop up here and go a little bit just to right now, come back to this, because I got a couple of other illustrations. What does that mean? And, and, and what it means is, uh, there's, a, there's a little acronym that the Calvinists, which, which I, I agree with, uh, helps us remember. It's called TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. So what I mean, the foundation of salvation is number one is that we are totally depraved. And you've got to get to the bottom of it. That means that when we were born, we were born in sin. That we had no ability to come to God whatsoever. Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in sins. Spiritually dead. That's what sin does. So somebody has to do something, namely God. 
So what does God do? He gives us his spirit. He gives us his son Jesus first on the cross to take our place, to bring death, so to pay the penalty of the wages of sin is death, so that now Christ did for us is gives us life. So we have given Christ, has, was given our sins, and Christ give us his righteousness. So you have been made righteous. Let's get to the bottom of it. Not by what you can do, but because of what God has done for you. So that's total depravity. And that's hard to swallow sometimes in this most modern, sophisticated world we're living in. That we're all sinners. We have no ability to come to God. And yet Jesus says in John 6, No man can come to me except the fa- my Father draw him. And so, and then in the you is unconditional election. That means God chose a people before the foundation of the earth. Now, i got to tell you, God didn't choose everybody. And we don't need to be so out of shape about that. We need to be concerned that God choose you. Because there's evidence in your life if he did, okay? If you're a true Christian, and that's what this verse is saying. We need to get to the bottom of it. You see, religion is not just an outward show. Religion is not. But, but it's unconditional that we don't have to get to somewhere. We don't have to be a certain race. We don't have to be a certain knowledge. We don't have to be born of a certain family. God just chose us in Christ. I don't know why, but he did. And he was just as doing it. The truth is we all went to hell, every one of us. But see, God chose us. You know, I see people sometimes on TV holding up these signs. Justice. They don't want Justice. You want to get to the bottom of it? You don't want justice. You want mercy. That sign ought to say mercy. It ought to say mercy. Because that's all we need is the mercy of God in our lives. Just God's, and that's what God has given us. That's what unconditional election is. And then limited atonement. God didn't save anybody. Everybody, I mean. He saved those that he gave to Christ. I don't understand it. I wish he'd have saved everybody, but he didn't. There is a hell, okay? And so when he saves them, though, he saves them by the merit of Christ. See, God is discriminating. We don't like that word, but God is. And you can't argue with God on that. You might not like it. You might not believe it, but it's getting to the bottom of it. Because I'm going to tell you, I hear people say, well, I don't believe in election. Well, it's in the Bible. I got something else to tell you. You might not believe in it, but when you get to heaven, you will. You will. You'll understand by God's mercy. I don't know about you, but I've experienced in my life, this sinner, I'm going to tell you what, that's the only way I could get in. If God didn't choose me, hey, I never chose him, I promise you. I'm so thankful, so humbled by what God has done to me and for me, and I know you feel the same way. So that's the foundation of salvation. Look at Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. I know you're familiar with these verses. It's the meat of Calvinism, I guess. It says this, for whom he did foreknow, that's God, foreknow that he knew us before the foundation of the world. Before you knew him, God knew you. And he knew you as the sinner you would be. And then he also, those same ones, he did predestinate. That is, there's a predestined nation. That means God knew you and he destined you. And to be conformed to the image of his son, that's Jesus Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, in verse 30, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. And so what a blessing that is to see that 
and to bless God in that in our ways. So the foundation of salvation. Now I want to go back. I take my stop. I went out a little ways. I, want to, I, went, I said Geneva, but the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening was, what was Geneva? In the 1500s, um, the Great Awakening, 1700s. You had men like uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, George Whitfield. John Wesley was there. He was not a Calvinist, and he was a great, profound Bible teacher. I have a lot of good friends in the Methodist Church and all that, but I'm going to tell you the foundation of salvation is, is the doctrines of God's grace. The tulip, the unconditional, limited atonement, the irresistible grace, that's the I. You know, that means when God gets on us, we have to get up. We have to move. That's irresistible grace. God's drawing you. Sometimes he burdens your heart. He's not going to let you be satisfied in living in sin. He's not. You, you rejoice in that. And then the P is a persevering grace, preserving us. God has preserved us that we can never lose our salvation. But anyway, the Great Awakening, when, uh, when those men were preaching, they were preaching doctrines of grace. And when Jonathan Edwards preached that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, uh, I was reading about this. It's just amazing. He just read the sermon. And, and the reader or the writing said he just had a monotone voice. But the Spirit of God was so, people were falling out, in the pew, out of their pews, convicted of sin. See, that's what we need to ask God to help us be, convicted of sin. So what that's going to do is get to the bottom of what we really need, and that is God and crying out to God. Um, and then uh, Abraham Cooper was another one, Kuiper, maybe is the way you pronounce it. He was in the Netherlands, but, but it was an urban situation where he promoted the Word of God, and it through the reformed faith of trusting in the merits of salvation is the foundation, not of works, okay? See, if you've got to worry about if you've done enough for God, if you've accepted Jesus at the right place and time, and then everything that's happened, then, man, there's no, you can't get to the bottom. There's no bottom of it. But you trust God. And you say, well, preacher, how do I know this God chose me? I'm going to tell you. You know, you just thank God that you feel the impressions that you have of adoring Him. And even the convicting that he's given you of your sins. You thank God for that. Don't worry about what you've done. You say, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for loving me even when I was unlovable. You know, we can never get over what God has done for us. Because here's what's happened, and I think that's what we see. I mentioned this floating away from God. Here's the way I see it. You know, you get away from Calvinism. That is the doctrines of a Reformed theology. Like this church and many, many others tries to embrace. I'm not talking about some primitive Baptist particular. I'm talking about reformed theology of the truth of God's word. Because it doesn't matter what denomination persuasion you are. That's the only way a person is saved. That's the bottom of it. God chooses you, gives you to Christ, and the Holy Spirit notifies you of that amazing work of grace in your life. And so our life is a journey to God from then on and away from sin. And that's what this verse is saying. God knows them that are His, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so what a blessing that is to see that. Number two, all right, the foundation of salvation was number one. I mean, we've got to get through this muddy place, and to know that you're one of God's ought to give you a grip 
that would help you get through these places. I hope it would. Number two is faith is for muddy places. That's what it's for. That's what my boss told me. That's what the grips are for, Randy. What do you think that's for? Well, I just want to say to you all and to me, what do you think faith is for? Do you think God, you know, if God just wanted to save stakes right to heaven, he could have done that. But he didn't. He left us here. He left us here, and we got to go through some places that are, that are just hard to get through. You know, I remember, and I've shared this with some people, and maybe you, I think probably you years ago, but when I was in Alabama doing some work over there on the Tallapoosa River near uh, uh, Dadeville, Alabama, Alexander City area, um, I was not a preacher then, but we were in some timberland that had old, it was old farm sites that had been converted to timber, and they had old home sites still there, and you find wells every now and then, open wells. And I remember we were working over there for about a week one time, and in the woods we would hear this dog barking. And it was kind of a faint sound. It was during the fall of the year. We said, well, you know, we didn't think about much at first, but this dog kept barking. And we never, you know, know. But finally, the next, about the second or third day we were there, uh, one of the guys, we found this dog. We heard this faint crying. We were getting closer. We couldn't find it where it was. And we looked, this dog's in this well. This little walker ham. Got in a well. And so what we do, we got, a, we got some tape. We had a uh, chain you pull behind you, kind of a little flimsy tape, metal. But we're able to make a hoop enough, probably 20 or 30 feet, and get that little dog out that well. Now, you talking about a happy dog? You talking about a dog wagging his tail? You know what that dog was doing? Barking. You see, that dog was in a hole, but it had a bottom. Now, if that well didn't have a bottom, he couldn't have barked. I'm going to tell you what, don't matter how far down you get. You know, when you get to bottom, when you get to the bottom of something, you know, that's what God says through David in Psalms 40. He says, in the pit, he says, I cried. I cried, and he heard my cry, and he lifted me up, God did, David said, out of the horrible pit, and he set me on a rock and established my goings. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that that's what faith is for? It's faith that's getting through the mud. It's something to fall back on. Say, you know, in the world today, there may be situations in your life you're going through right now that men just frustrate you. I mean, maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you failed in so many ways. I know there's so many things I can think of in my life. But, you know, there's times you just got to let it go and fall back on God. And you just trust it. You know what? Somebody told me one time that success, or I read it, I think, was not measured or the way to measure success is how high you bounce once you hit bottom. See, if you got a bottom, the thing is, whatever you're doing in life, you, you ask yourself, has it got a bottom? You know, if you're about to get in a marriage, you say, has this marriage got a bottom? Because I'm going to tell you, there are going to be some muddy places. You know, I remember, I remember riding uh, in the woods in my forestry career, and I remember a lot of times I would go through woods roads, and I'd get to places I have never been on this wood before. But I'd see water in the road, and I'd say, I'd stop my truck. I learned it the hard way, I've got to be honest with you. But, but I'd get out, and I remember Mr. Willie giving me that stick, and I kept one in my truck after that. And I'd walk up, and I'd stick my cane in them holes. I'd say, yep, it's got a bottom. Didn't matter how much water was on top. If it's got a bottom, you can make it. See, God has given you a foundation. God says the foundation of the Lord remain sure, having this seal. That is, that is a sure. God has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. You are God's. 
So then, then we need to just say own that and bless that because what happens if we get away from understanding that our salvation is the foundation and it's God that does it. What that leads to, if we get away from that, is Arminianism. What Arminianism is, is a, is a theological concept, theological concept that deals with, well, you know, God just puts the gospel out there and anybody that wants to can accept it or reject it. Now, it sounds really kosher. I mean, you know, it's kind of like society. We're living in a very tolerant society. I mean, but what happens when you go from Calvinism to Arminianism, then you get to liberalism. And that's where this world's going. And then from liberalism, you get to atheism. You hear me? You think I'm lying to you? I'm not. I really believe this law in my heart. And, and, you know, I talk about some of our preachers. I, I never forget this, Brother Bill Durrance. And years ago, we were doing a funeral game. Brother Bill said, you know, Brother Randy said, I remember when churches were full. And I know we can't be now, but, but he says, you know why? I said, what, what was going on? But he said, we were preaching the foundational truths of God's holy word. We were preaching predestination and election and the sovereignty of God. And now, you know, we're almost afraid that somebody's going to call us a bigot. Somebody's going to think that we're, we're narrow-minded. You know, we, so we got to be so broad-minded. But, you know, God is not honored because what Calvinism does and what the foundation of God is saying, you're his, and God gets the glory for that. It's not something you've done or something, some, how good you look or how much you know. It's because God has loved you and he has placed you in this particular point in life even in this corrupt culture, to be salt and light. And that, that needs to begin with your children, your family, your church, your community, your workplace, and right on out. So faith is for muddy places, but it has a bottom. You know, Hebrews 11 describes faith, defines faith in verse 1. as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. See, faith has a bottom. You might not can see the bottom. I'd say many times you can't see the bottom. There's many muddy places I've walked, and you probably have, but I'm going to tell you, I can't see the bottom. But I can, I, I got, I, I'm there. I can get out in the, in the ocean out there at Tybee or somewhere, and you can get up to your neck, you know. But if you've got bottom, you can touch bottom, you're all right. And so you've got a foundation. Has it got a bottom? That's what you ask. And then lastly, and I'll be brief, is this. Follow Jesus and find the bottom. Follow Jesus and find the bottom. You know what Jesus said in the last part of the Sermon on the Mount? Here, I've got to show you this. It's kind of, you know, I hear people saying, I see on TV sometimes, they're advertising Bible reading that puts you to sleep. Have you ever heard that? You know, read the Bible and, and go to sleep. I don't think you could go to sleep if you read, or read the Bible like you ought to. I mean, the Bible wakes you up. The Bible is not a book to go to. Now, there's comfort in it. Where was I going? Matthew chapter 7. Look at these verses. I want to read you some. For I'm going to let you go in a minute. But here's what it says. Matthew chapter 7 is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says there, notice from verse, let me back up just a minute with you. Uh, Hebrew, um, 2 Timothy 2, 19. The foundation of the Lord remains as you're having this seal. That's not going to move. God's foundation is not going to move. Um, 
the Lord knoweth them that are his. And here's our part. There's two sides of this seal. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So what it, what it means is God, see, has not only saved you, he's done something to you. He's going to give you the unction, so to speak, to depart from iniquity. That's what God's going to do. Because that's what he did, according to Second, uh, or Titus 2.14, that he's redeemed us from all iniquity. So see, light and dark has no fellowship. So when you follow Jesus, you find the bottom. And Jesus says there, a person that does what you hear God say do, then it's like a person that built his house on a, on a rock. And when the storms come and all the things around life was falling apart, that house stood. See, see that's departing from iniquity. That's what obedience is about. See, it's not a works doctrine. It's simply responding to what God has given you in your heart. Now, you know what? We need to get at it. We need to embrace that. We can't embrace the culture, but we can embrace what God has called us to do as his believers. But I wanted to show you from verse 21 in, in Matthew 7. Not everyone, listen to this. This is the words of Jesus. It's read in my Bible. That saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. What? I thought everybody could get in there, didn't you? That's not what Jesus said. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. See, that's the bottom. When you're doing the will of God, now, you know what? I hear people say, I don't know what that is. Yes, you do. This whole book is the will of God. Jesus on the Gethsemane Garden, you know, he was in a muddy place. But he said, Father, if it could be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He got to the bottom. See, the bottom of it is God's will, the glorified God. Many, he says in verse 22 will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them. Now this is Jesus. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now I don't know who those are. You don't either. But God does. And what should humble us is that God has given us this calling because of his electing merciful grace, then given us his spirit, his being our father, that we can live in this life and we can get a grip on it no matter what we have to go through in this life. You know, James in the first chapter, last part of that verse says, pure religion is this, and undefiled, that we visit the fatherless and poor in their affliction and that we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now see, we're kept by the power of God. What a, what a blessing. Follow Jesus and find the bottom. You're going to follow Jesus because you're a sheep. And a sheep needs to be following Jesus. Because if you don't follow Jesus, you'll be following everybody else. You know, there's people, I was told by some of the commentators, that were doing all the rioting and the parades and the protests, didn't even know what they were doing it for. They were just doing it because everybody else was doing it. I mean, that is, that is Satan's ploy. You know, let's, let's just do it because it looks like everybody's doing it. But see, that is dangerous ground for us. Sheep follow the shepherd. And so God has given you that in your life. And what a blessing. I'm going to close with one verse I read this morning in my Bible reading from Jude. 
And it says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's God. See, it's got a bottom. God's got a bottom. Your faith is a bottom. You might have, you might have sinned horrifically, okay? You might stumble. I know I do every day. Fall away from God, backslide. But I'm going to tell you what. Ultimately, God will never let you go. You hear me? Because you were God's. You are God's. He says, not only to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. How about that? Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. What a blessing we have. What a mighty God we serve. May the Lord bless us to be thankful that he could use us in any way, even if that's saying nothing, just to be salt, be light. Let's keep on keeping on. Always remember, some places that look kind of hard and tough have a bottom. And the question we need to say, God, has it got a bottom? It's got a bottom, I can make it because you're the foundation. And it does in Christ. He is our rock. Let's hold close to him. Would you bow with me with a prayer together? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for the truth. And we pray that we can always proclaim it in your great and holy name. But even more, Lord, we pray that you would be so pleased that you would be merciful to us to use it and give it power. All I can say is the words, O oh God. But your spirit can take these words and make them manifest in a person's life, in their thoughts, to bring them comfort, conviction, transformation. We thank you, Lord, that nothing's too hard for you. We thank you, Lord, that you're the foundation. And even though things on the outside don't always look like they're passable, we even, Lord, admit that there's been places we wanted to quit. Nevertheless, oh God, the foundations of our Lord remain assured, having this seal. We thank you, Lord, for the seal of your grace. We don't understand it all, but we trust you. And we're going to stand on that rock forevermore. Only, Lord, give us that unction in a greater way. Help us, Lord, get away from this lukewarmness, this timidity, this shamely, Lord, acknowledging the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And, Lord, to turn from iniquity and to keep on departing from it, realizing, Lord, it's not a one-time deal. We have to do it every day. We're in a spiritual battle. But you, Lord, are the captain of our salvation. You, Lord, will make us more than conquerors because you loved us from the foundation of the world. Go ahead, Lord, and do your work. And bless us, O oh God, to be mindful that after we've done all, if you would help us even to attempt, we're still unprofitable servants. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation and for the many that might acknowledge you as Lord and Savior and be reviled revived in their labors in your great kingdom in jesus name we pray amen we thank you so much for your being here today with us may the lord bless you to rejoice in god in every way really appreciate you so much thank you